0: Writing is full of bad characters and characterization. In fact, for most people, this is just the natural state of things. That most characters are written badly and that modern writing is a shit show. But given this nihilistic outlook, nothing gets people as riled up as when the authorial wish fulfillment is too front and center. God forbid an author makes something they'd read. Let's talk about self-inserts and waifu bait today on Why Are You Talking About This? Nerd. Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Wait, Tat, Nerd. I am your host, William, back from trying and failing to sort out my life and get organized enough to keep putting this out every other week. Hope you had a good month while I was away and didn't get yourselves too excited that I was done. But anyways, thank you for listening, it means the world, and it's awesome to have listeners, even if it's just a couple. On top of continuing to follow, stream, mold these sound bites into a dildo, shove into your butt or put on CDs to then throw into a fire and utter rage and disgust before you remember how toxic that is. Just a reminder that episode 20 is slated to come out at the beginning of October, so you have until then to send in stuff to talk about for that episode. Every 20 episodes is the corrections, comments, feedback, and looking back episode, which means unless something is very problematic or I fucked up hardcore, that's the episode where I'll be addressing some of the things I got wrong or just straight up missed. But with that, let's just get right on to the show. So today we're going to be talking about two kinds of cringe OCs, self-inserts and waifus. And while I can detect the eye roll, and yes, it does in fact make my wiener harder than diamond, don't worry if you thought I was going to come out with a full defense of this. I will defend it, somewhat, because I'm a total asshole and a tool, but I won't be defending it like I defend shy femboys and goth leather mommies, hoping for the smallest crumb of genitalia. I'm also not going to act like these are the worst things ever exist, like how people pretend furries and imagine dragons are the worst thing in the world when they really just want to fuck them. Instead, we're going to talk about these tropes fairly. But if you're confused, let's go over the definitions. First are self-inserts, and put in the most simplistic sense, these are characters that represent the creator, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Most creators do this in some way, either because they want to be involved with the story, or they're writing from what they know, or they know their genre and it's just a joke. When this is bad is when it's poorly written, such as being overpowered, distracting, over exaggerated, or far too badass for what they're supposed to be, or just some cringy combination of like half werewolf, quarter dragon, quarter vampire. Because you couldn't decide on which one you wanted to be. And you know now while experienced writers can and often do do this. I said do do. <laughs> it's a lot more common for new writers. Because they want to be the ones to save the day. They want to be the ones to win. They want to get the girl and also have the coitus with her. And they want to be at the bad guys that represent everyone that bullied them in high school. I like writing in an OC as a dark, brooding, mysterious badass that scares all the boy main characters because a gay OC is too cringe for your totally not cringe character, while every girl main character wants a taste of his blood edge, the death cucker, which is both the name of his 13-inch dick and his sword. And now for waifus. While we'll get into the origins during history, waifus are usually more generally in reference to characters, female characters especially, with their male counterparts being called husbandos, which much clunkier thing to say, that a particular creator or audience member wants to smooch, cuddle, hold hands with, and mating press. Not necessarily in that order, but when you apply it in this case, waifus are characters inserted into your story for one of two purposes. To make your audience horny for them and thus drive interest in your story, or because you're a horny little freak and you want to show the world exactly what kind of woman you want. Like writing in a character whose name is two letters away from your crush and is also absolutely in your main character, but just so happens to look how you think you look. And again, while experienced writers can do this one too, it's also a lot more common for new writers. New writers are really bad at keeping their horny in check, and if you doubt that, reread some of your old shit. So my first writing, when I realized that creating is what I wanted to do for a living, is so much hornier than it has any right to be. But doing this is just realizing that you have the freedom to do anything and doing weird shit with it. Forgetting the whole point is to entertain an audience. Or you think your audience is too horny to pay attention to your story and so you give them a big, titted submissive piece of eye candy with a totally ironic fleshlight shirt on that you will only draw in positions that lets your audience imagine their penis in them. And these two character types are, you know, really just symbolic of badly created OCs. So for the most part, except for Mary Sue's, which we'll talk about in September, so just edge until then, you can use what we talk about this episode for most of the other OC tropes. However, these ones specifically are the errors of people who are immature, new to writing, or just overall cringy people in general that refuse to get better and actually just be people. But these tropes also represent wish fulfillment, And the reason why it's so bad and cringy isn't because wish fulfillment is bad and cringy in and of itself, since, you know, it's kind of what writing is in one way or another. Rather, it's because this form of wish fulfillment is just suddenly pulling back the curtain for your audience and saying, hey gang, I know you're having fun with these characters and everything, but do you mind if I tell you a bit about the exact kind of pussy I wish I was getting on a consistent basis? Or rather, would you like me to show you Exactly in every way possible how much my life sucks, and I wish I could get hit by a truck and isekai is something that doesn't fill me with misery every single day of my life. But, you know, at the same time, don't be afraid to be cringe. We all need an outlet for it, because believe it or not, we all have a deep well of cringe. Deep, 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 very deep within us. That, you know, if we don't... Re- least every once in a while, will quickly poison us and turn everything slightly more and more cringe until everyone knows, you know, like when you shit your pants in public and just try to play it off. Which is to say, hey, it's okay to make cringe if you're doing it for yourself. And the same goes for shitting yourself in your own home. You have the right to make something that would make a general audience shit, puke, cry, and cum all at the same time. What we're talking about is when someone then takes that fucking steamy pile and tosses it into an unsuspecting fan site or onto an Amazon store as a book. And this also isn't to say that you can't have genuinely good self-inserts or intentional waifus. I mean, think, if you're one of my five friends, 13 acquaintances, or countless strangers that can smell the submissive energy radiating off of me and you have read one of my stories then you'd very clearly see a man trying to will a muscly goth woman that wants to ruin his life into existence through his writing. But if you've never seen me in person or had ever listened to this podcast and had the blessing to not know the exact kind of person I was, then you'd basically just be seeing a, hopefully, more interesting female character than was normally written as has way more screen time than what you'd normally expect. And while I've never written in a self-insert, most characters I write have some part of me so that if you did some horrific eldritch combination of them all, I'd be in there somewhere. And this extends to actual good writers that have shit published. I mean, a lot of creators will pull from their own experiences, emotions, people they know, and their own personal power fantasies to write their stories. And why do they never or very rarely get called out? Because they're fucking good at writing. They know to keep their undies ironed and put the story first. You know, then 50 years down the line, when we find secret writing diaries, we figure out that all the mentions of characters walking on barefoot and the weird side character everyone saw as faith in their literature essays that get kicked in the head a lot aren't really coincidences. But let's go over once again to our very short history section today. I gotta get back into ones with some media history. Or, nah, if you're familiar with Waytat. History section over there has only gotten longer as the show's gone on. I have at least one chosen just brainlessly trying to find the most specific things with the least helpful search algorithm anyone has ever been gifted with. So, to begin in 1321 with the most brazen of all self-inserts, Dante Alighieri's The Divine Comedy. Now, While it was something that was somewhat commonly done to put yourself into your own story during the time period, it wasn't often for very long. In some cases, they played the part of narrator towards the beginning or would include stuff about how this is an absolutely historical piece, not some hokey fanfiction about how King Arthur time-traveled back in time to kill Judas and fist-bump Jesus by saying that they were there to write the notes. But very rarely did someone make themselves the main character a piece of work that went on to inspire the majority of Christian folklore around hell purgatory and heaven and if you aren't familiar the story follows Dante through a supposed vision he had while wandering through the woods shortly before being banished yeah as you do and he is then guided by his personal hero Virgil through hell and purgatory and inferno and purgatorio respectively before being guided through heaven by his waifu Beatrice and Paradiso also note that Beatrice is a woman he knew in real life that he had fallen in love with, but was fucking murked by the plague before anything could happen, which is why she's his waifu. But this is a very prominent example of self-insertion that wasn't to stroke his own dick about how cool he was. Instead, he just so happy to be picked to tell people about these realms of existence by God, because Beatrice, the best woman in history, according to Dante, put in a good word for him to be the one to do it this also didn't really change the face of literature with people going, oh, fuck, I just need some of that self-insert storytelling, please. Because most people just kind of accepted that it was more of a plot convenience than anything else. I mean, it's a lot easier to get invested if the dude that is telling the story doesn't start with, well, I heard it from a guy that heard it from a guy that ate some off rye bread and woke up 18 hours later on a raft drifting off the shore of Scotland with a dead bird in his hat and his own fingers down his pee hole. I mean, also, it was, like, a political hit piece against a lot of people, so, like, of course, Dante put himself in it, because, like, fuck you, I'm the one saying it. Uh, But what did change the face of literature in the realm of self-inserts wouldn't come around until the 1940s, which, yes, that's a big jump. Which would be cheap and affordable comics and magazines. And why did this allow for more self-inserts than ever before? Well, because very much like today, the pulp writing genre is a gaping maw that that demands more and more sacrifices of virginal OCs be thrown into it, to be gnashed apart, swallowed, and then discarded. Except in the 1940s, everyone was a lot more hopeful about it, and that was seen as a uh, feature, not a bug. And this created a market for more and more amateur writers to get involved with the process, since you could send in stories to be consumed by the grinding teeth of literary capitalism. Which meant that shitty writers could also do this filling their stories with their own self-inserts. But what this era also allowed for, as the 1940s became the 50s and the 60s and into the 70s, was for fans to create their own fan fictions based on already established works or some of these single-use stories for fun. Because people had more time on their hands, young people especially, and could generally read and write pretty well when taken from a historical perspective, people could spend Hours upon hours wrapped up in their own little fantasy world instead of going outside like a fucking man and rebuilding an entire car like a goddamn hero. As a side note, see fellow podcasters and professional gamers? This has kind of always just been a thing. But on top of this Pulp Fiction system, it also became much more affordable for fans to create their own magazines and comics, meaning that the process of fantasines became more popular and common democratizing magazines a bit and allowing fans to share their work. And all these amateur creators weren't always good at their job, meaning that you know self-inserts and what we call waifus came about. And overpowered, wish-fulfillment, fantasy self-inserts became so common by 1973 that it created an entirely new term, Mary Sue. Now, this term was initially coined by writer Paula Smith and Sharon Ferraro, after seeing a pattern of self-insert Star Trek fantasies being set being sent into their Trekky fantasy. So much so that they actually penned a story making fun of it themselves with a character named Mary Sue that hopped aboard the, the Enterprise and was instantly loved by everyone. And while we talk and while we'll talk about this particular trope and its history in its own episode, the serum wasn't really popular at first. Because People didn't like feeling called out, and because it was the fucking 70s and women couldn't have anything, men got up in arms about the term Marty Sue, the two also began throwing around, and a lot of women felt targeted, which, while wasn't the point, did slow down the use of the term. And while this term would eventually strike a nerve of fan communities, that's something we'll talk about in its own episode. But laying the groundwork for waifus to become more of a presence on our timeline, stop drooling, you fucking weirdo, in the 1980s, Japanese teenagers and young adults started to adopt the English word wife to mean their female spouse. Because the traditional Japanese term, kanai, meant within the house. So, you know, pretty fucking sexist. And these woke 1980s Japanese teens took the English word. Which then started to become kind of common. Also, if you're going to call me racist for saying that previous sentence, I'm going to need you to learn about the 1980s and also how culturally repressive and conservative Japan is, you fucking weirdo. But all this buildup was followed into the 1990s and early 2000s with an era of more and more open universes, a swarm of video games, and targeting fan creativity directly that caused a second era of self-insert dominance to occur. And early on, this wasn't necessarily intentional from the creators, you know, such so as the Sonic fandom. However, the simpler designs of characters combined with appealing to early furries, given the whole like, uh, you know, Sonicness of it all, allowed for people to create their own OCs and express both their fandom and growing realization that maybe it would be fun to get fucked by a werewolf. Now, over time, this process was eventually encouraged, the self-inserts, not the furry porn, usually, as fans started to get more and more attention from creators, and creators started to embrace this process more and more often. What also helped was the proliferation of the internet, basically allowing anyone anywhere with an internet connection and a computer to create their own stories and share them online. And a lot of amateur artists, like decades before, did this with self-inserts and waifus. Speaking of which, that term became a thing around 2002, when waifu is used for the first time in the English letter-transcribed subtitles of the anime Azumanga Daioh. Yes, it goes that fucking deep. This is one of those uh, classic animes that a lot of millennial weebs really got into. You know, for us fellow kids, it's like their Yu-Gi-Oh or Dragon Ball. But there's one episode where a character drops a picture on the ground, And the student asks, who's in the picture? And he says, my wife, just like Borat, as he picks it up. And the subtitles, German Japanese, but transcribed with English letters for some fucking reason, reads, my waifu. And that's where it starts. And given that it was a cornerstone anime that was being watched by a bunch of dumb westerners just entering into weebdom, by 2006 it was being used in weeb communities in the real world, and also on the internet to refer to characters the fan wants to do obscene things to, like handholding. But like, I did the meme despite how much it hurt me inside, so please, for fuck's sake, just reward my bad behavior, please. But, you know, almost immediately, the creators caught on to this new term, given the majority of manga and anime creators are fucking nerds. And so they began to use it to their advantage, almost immediately creating waifu bait. And how'd they figure out the formula? Well, through the highly scientific, tried, true, and foolproof methodology we still use to this day. Look at what hentai is popular right now, then dial it back, like, two degrees. I'm only partially kidding. But, by the late aughts, we are introduced to the two things that have caused the most mid-2010s cringe since the invention of Rage Comics. It sparks some memories for you there that also opened up the world of self-insertion to, to an entirely new generation. First in 2009 with Homestuck, and then 2010 with My Little Pony. Now, while I was not chronically online enough to be caught by either one, thank Jesus horse cock Christ, I had friends of friends, and even at least two exes that got caught up in Homestuck. And between that and also researching those episodes, I can kind of and say that was actually not as cringe as you remember I was still cringy as fuck, don't get me wrong, but your memory fails you. And why did these allow for self-insertion? Well, with Homestuck, because the art style is, uh... Whew. Woo, boys, the art style is certainly present. So a lot of people who just learned how to draw can copy it. Also, there's a lot of in-universe jokes about self-insert characters, and also fourth-wall breaks, and those gray-skinned horn things, which are called trolls, you see every time someone makes an OC? Yeah, early after their introduction, there is an in-universe character that makes an OC troll. So it was inviting. And also because a lot of the goth kids got dragged into it, and 2009 the internet was at the very dangerous point of being the Wild West and also easily accessible, it was fucking flooded with goths making trolls. Now, My Little Pony, in addition to spawning bronies, is... Also, from what I understand, an actually emotionally intelligent show that has very easily drawn character silhouettes. So, people wanting to feel more involved with this very emotionally intelligent story could easily trace basically any one of the characters, put a custom tramp stamp on the ass, and then name it, and boom, you have an OC. And again, this one caught a bunch of the weird kids and made them bronies, which, because it's the fucking internet age, motherfucker, Dump them onto the unprotected internet tubes to create vast online communities where they could share their OCs. Now, this era is also responsible for the downfall of the OC, because this is when the idea of it being solely cringe was popularized, because the normies got tired of seeing it and the hacker known as 4chan got really mad that there wasn't more cheese pizza going on. Also, if you understood any of that, get some help. It's not too late for you. Just leave me behind. All this leads up into the modern age. As self-inserts became more and more popular and oversaturated, and also associated with fringe communities, a lot of creators and consumers became hostile towards it. And as it continued to happen, this hostility has only increased. So, let's get to that. (laughs) Very short uh, current status section today, because if you so much as say waifu on about half of the forums online, someone's going to dox you within five seconds, so you know, I don't think there's a whole lot to explain why people don't like this. These tropes are hated. And, you know, while I did imply that this is entirely due to oversaturation, this actually isn't the only reason why it seems like everyone hates waifus and self-inserts. While it is quite a big chunk of it, the other reason is simply because it's tired and everyone can see what you're doing. Basically, that by having a self-insert or your waifu in the story, your already primed-to-hate audience gets the Winter Soldier words whisper in their ear, and their rage derails the story before your inclusion of Cringe Cam. So, self-fulfilling prophecy that it ruins your story. On top of that, they can very easily derail your story anyways. And why? Because now it's a temptation to include them. Sometimes it can get annoying to see them around, or it gets so ludicrous the ways you shoehorn them in that your audience stops giving a fuck about anything. Because they see the sweaty nerds smashing others' action figures behind the curtain. Also kissing some of them, which is fucking weird. And the thing is, is that this reality and climate makes people hesitant to create these character tropes. Which is fair, but they can be used for actual interesting stories with a purpose and also intrigue and interest in them. Like, for example, do you think that you as a person can make for an interesting character, but you don't put yourself in your fiction out of fear? But, you know, what if you thread the needle, and instead of ruining your work, you actually pull off and create the Lord of the Rings of cringe self-inserts? Or, what if you're sexually attracted to competence, and because you're a baby brain new writer, hasn't even gotten their writing eviscerated by writers or a room full of college freshmen, you don't include competent women out of fear that everyone will realize your fetish and get mad at the waifu bait. You know, and then you get a lot of shit for having incompetent characters. Dumb examples, but you see the point, right? So, with that, let's just go right into why you should care about this. Follow me. Alright, so first from the perspective that you shouldn't be doing this. And besides the artistic integrity of writing and all that moralistic bullshit, these scripts are just kind of boring to read and write. And they're probably fine starting points and some once in a while for a treat kind of writing, but this is one of those stepping stones you very quickly move on from as you begin your career as a creative. And, oh, you don't care about being a better writer? You only care about the tasty, tasty clout and the paycheck? Okay, well, people don't like reading it because they get mad and also bored. So, less money for you, you catalyst wine dog. Also, if you're looking for money, this is the wrong industry. Oh, and less clout, you attention, harlot. Also, don't interrupt me while I'm in the process of not making a point or I'll print you onto a body pillow and drop you in the neckbeard nest. But, as say before, trying to create a self-insert or waifu bait will almost immediately put your audience out of the story, because it's just played out. That being said, sometimes you'll do it by accident. In fact, if you're new to writing, or you write how I do, i.e. off the hip with very little concern about plot structure and somehow with everything falling into place, then you're probably going to do this anyways. There's another reason not to try, because if odds are you're going to do it automatically, you might as well just write and let the story stay on its own. It only gets worse the more familiar audience is with you, because they can see the hand of the author when they really focus and also get a beat on your personality. Many at times you'll do it unintentionally and your audience will still catch you. So, okay, okay. In that case, why would you try or what's the benefits? Well, why write a self-insert? Because it's fun. I think mean, simple as that writing and creating shouldn't feel like a chore and should be fun and it's okay to do something to enjoy yourself. You know, as a treat. And the thing is, is that if your audience likes what you're making because you're making it, you know, like if you're a YouTuber, celebrity creative, or a certain podcaster everyone wants to smooch. Hint, hint. Then they'll be fucking thrilled to see your persona in a story. Assuming that's done right. And, even better, this can be a moment where you can tongue-in-cheek put a self-insert into your story for fun, and your audience can do the DiCaprio point-of-the-TV thing, and you can all have a hearty laugh about it without really taking much of anything from the story. This is also a great opportunity for some good old-fashioned self-deprecation and humor which is something done with self-insertion in love of manga, comics, video games, and sometimes in serial writings. Because the author OC is a pathetic, useless, weirdly horny, sometimes creepy, or actively trying to stop what's going on, or all the above, and is instantly disliked or pitied by the characters. It's the closest a lot of creators will ever come to self-awareness. But these can be really entertaining to an audience and also makes it seem like you're in on the joke that Hey guys, it's a lot of fun and all, but these are just some silly little doodles and words on a piece of dismembered tree or billions of shiny little light bulbs. And hey, this can be a little bit of free therapy because you can do self insertion and realize, wow, my OC is a fucking asshole. Maybe I need to work on some things. And why Well, because sometimes it feels really good to give yourself something. But like miming your anime waifu figurines giving you a blowjob, while you stare misty-eyed at the nude poster you buy of your favorite VTuber, hoping with every ounce of your being that any of this was real, isn't something you should probably be showing to the public. Usually. And with certain audiences, this whole thing might actually be endearing or get some on your side. Like, for example, if you're really into sleepy twinks, I can say that because I'm into it, and include a cute sleepy femboy twink in your story, and your audience is also into that shit, you'll be receiving fan letters basically daily asking how they're doing, and also cosplay. Now, if they're not as into it as you are, but are still pretty into it, they'll probably still be on your side. If you write it well, then you get people that don't necessarily want to see more of a soft gay sleeping, but are interested in the character as a person and also the story. Because remember, the point is to write a story not just jerk yourself off speaking of which let's get into the actual tips and tricks don't look i know that's how i started the last section but literally the biggest tip i have is don't fucking do this to yourself like plans of Hats, this trope has such a high chance of going wrong in the execution and it's so much extra work for something that gives you half a thimble of a tiddly wink of dopamine that's not even fucking worth it. Well, yes, you can get cool moments of community building or commiseration or comedy, those are the only safe options. Okay, the easier one to start with is going to be waifus this time around, because... My research, how I write a waifu, the results were very fucking sad, and most of them include screenshots from the same game that's 80% custom building a waifu, including, like, areola texture, and 20% watching her get pounded by Pikmin, which, I don't know what's more sad, people begging on Reddit for Death to come to life and step right on their balls, or creating your perfect partner just to get cucked in a video game. Anyways, there's very little you can do to intentionally make a waifu without giving up that A, you're into that shit, and B, you're doing this because you're a stinky little pervert that wants his, her, their genitals vaguely around your mouth and or genitals. So here's the advice. Write the character that you find attractive, and instead of being a nasty little pervert, write them into the story in the way that makes sense for who they are, while including moments, actions, and words that makes whatever part of your body that's getting the most out of this shiver. Whether that's your quaking fucking nuts or your smooth, smooth, tiny brain. And for bonus points, if you want to keep forcing them into every narrative so you can keep drawing and or writing them, make them do something plot-relevant that makes it make sense for them to still be there. Oh, and save the jerk-off material for your own personal time, or wait for other people to do it for you. Or hell, do one better... Hire someone to make it. So, now let's transition over to self-inserts. And I'm going to be following the order of Caitlin Smith. She wrote in her article, How to Write a Self-Insert That Nobody Can Call You Out On. Which I think is really indicative of the uh, state of self-inserts in fiction. So, first step is to redefine yourself and your self-insert. Basically, make a character, and before they're off the factory line and into the incubator, hock a good-sized loogie into the Petri dish, add in some of your own idiosyncrasies, and also translate your life story or recent story into something that would make sense for the world they live in. So, like, if you're an engineering student that came from a stable, middle-class household that absolutely has to say what's on your mind, your fantasy version would have the equivalent. They are an engineer guild apprentice from a guild family that never shuts the fuck up and everyone wishes that they would. By redefining yourself like this, your audience might not realize what you're doing and very well might pass over this OC like the Bible's favorite angel and his allergy to land blood. This also opens the door to make an actually interesting character or make you realize this whole idea is silly. Like for me, the closest thing would be like an insider or an apprentice to the Butcher's Guild that's trying to be a bard. That sounds like the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Next, don't you Dare fucking name them after yourself, you fucking idiot. Put the pen down. Put it down. Right now. Don't. Your audience is smart enough to notice and they will absolutely connect the dots. And once they see a character with your name, bet your fucking ass they'll be looking through every detail of their entire life story and find more than two similarities and skewer you right through the pee hole with it. And also twist your nuts. Now, it's still okay to pick a name that's meaningful to you, or that's really symbolic, or is something you love. And, you know, applying this to myself, I couldn't name an, a self-insert any of the following. William, Bill, William, William, Billy, Billy, also Willie, Liam, Wilhelm, Guillermo, Guy, Gil, etc., etc., etc. But this is if it's making a self-insert isn't the point. But this is if making a self-insert isn't the point. that's part of your story or your audience is receptive to it then go fucking nuts and go right ahead you know it's very similar to the waifu there all right third ignore how you look and this is for a few reasons firstly the human brain is really bad at remembering what its own face looks like you know you probably have a vague collection of facial features you recognize as yours but you lack anything detailed to really say much of anything about what you actually look like and we're worse about our bodies yeah you know, cuz for a lot of people there's also quite a bit of shame involved in that and you know for a little exercise you have a mole under your right nipple do you know if that's true or not do you have to go check <laughs> that's exactly the point but anyways uh the other part of this is that you don't actually really look as unique as you think you do And there's only so many traits, and there's only so many ways to describe them. Like, I'd describe myself as a glasses-wearing, long-haired and bearded, fat white guy with a surprising amount of muscle for my hobbies and size. And guess who else that describes? Half of all white nerds that go to the gym. But Caitlin Smith comes at it from essentially the opposite angle. By describing yourself, your audience might catch on, but that since there's only so many traits... Yeah, you know, don't be afraid to share traits with your characters. As long as the description can't really sound like you. See, I'm safe, because this is one of eight skins you get for free when you're a white dude that specs in the nerd tree. But for someone that looks a lot more unique, like, say, someone with rainbow-colored dreads and neck tattoo of their favorite band, and eight piercings weighing a quarter of a pound each hanging from their bottom lip, then, yeah, your self-insert probably shouldn't look like that, because that's way close to how you look. You know, it doesn't matter if it's like a different band. Now, next, focus on your mannerisms. While your name, look, and backstory are all dead ringers for yourself, your mannerisms aren't necessarily and can be a sly way to include yourself. This is very much like the lesson of the Good and Evil episode, where sometimes the best villains are all the parts of you that you don't like to think about. More important with writing a self insert is that you need to be fucking certain that these are your actual mannerisms and personality traits. Because if not, one, why are you writing a self insert instead of just a character you feel a kinship with? And two, why are you in fucking therapy? But using me as an example, I would say that I'm a driven person with hedonistic tendencies, that is incredibly smart and clever, but prefers to act stupid because saying the word dick is funny. I'm highly sexual, petty, and egotistical. But I'm also very understanding and respectful of people. And when taken in combination, this can gonna be a pretty cool deuteragonist. Not a protagonist, mind you. I don't think your self insert should ever be the hero of your story. But when combined with giving this OC an entirely different look, name, and backstory, they don't seem like a shameless self insert and is one that if one of my friends noticed would be a moment of connection instead of a moment of distraction. Okay, and finally, put yourself in new and unique situations. Rather than putting yourself somewhere familiar, surrounded by things you find normal or the equivalent, would be out in the world you're writing in, instead put yourself insert into brand new scenarios and figure out how they'd react. Because doing otherwise is both very limiting, but also very likely to make your audience catch on and go, ew, cringe, and dip. Like if you're usually seated comfortably behind your computer monitor, try putting your character somewhere you're never usually at. You know, touching grass with one hand and titty with the other. Because also, what the fuck is the point of a self-insert if your character's doing the same shit different day? And that's not really escapism, is it? And I mean, also that's really all the advice I have for you. Because, because yes, there's not a ton of advice here, but this trope doesn't really need it either. But either don't do it, or try your fucking best to be subtle about it. There's Nothing really else to do. Alright, on to the soapbox. Ah. Ah. At the end of the episode, what do I think? That's pretty fucking cringe, dude. And yes, I know, I just spent the whole episode saying that I make waifus both intentionally and unintentionally, and every character I make has some of me in them. I said what I meant and I meant what I said. I'm not someone that thinks I'm immune to cringe accusations because I'm the first to make it. And look, I'm also not going to get on anyone's ass about wish fulfillment. So much of my creation process is wish fulfillment in some way, and I'm enough of a hypocrite to admit that I'm a hypocrite. And overall, do I think there's something wrong with making cringy content like this? No. The world fucking sucks and cringe like this doesn't do anything but distract me from it. I also want the people making it to do better. I think these tropes have a place in good writing. Again, what's the point of art if it isn't fun? Sometimes these characters are just really entertaining. And when they are, they're absolutely community builders and also self-awareness machines. And trust me, that's something I strive for with all my work. You know, not just clout, artistry, or entertainment, or being lazy and being able to do this for the rest of my life. But as an excuse to get together and collectively make fun of the author and for making something so stupid that it's also entertaining Yeah, you know, that's kind of yeah I guess uh, I guess I'll take you home now <laughs> all right and there we have episode 11 Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast feed, like it, leave a review, whatever else it is you can do on your platform of choice. Send me an email at waytapods at gmail.com with questions, concerns, opinions, compliments, insults, I'm actuallys, why yourself insert OC isn't cringe, writing samples for me to laugh at, and anything else you want to tell me. Also, follow me on Twitter at waytapods. Remember to check out my other podcast, Waytap, where I talk about things that actually happened that we write like this in order to escape from. All right. Have a good night. Have fun. Keep writing. And remember, your self-insert doesn't always have to fuck your waifu. It's just more fun when they do. This has been Why Are You Talking About This Nerd? And I've been your host, William. Good night.